Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys wondering just how many dump trucks of hard, cold cash it's going to take to get Kimo Timonen to come out of retirement. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Fly Verbally. I'm Steve Jaco. This is Craig Forsyth. And, folks, our long national nightmare is over. We've got... And I'm just going for it with that one. I'm just going for it. <laughs> We've got Flyers fans in the White House. I'm ecstatic about that. Flyers fans in the White House just feels horrifically dangerous, but at the same time, very comforting. And I'm all about it. We've got that great, that great thing this week, but... In our little Flyers kingdom, things have gotten a little, they've gone a little awry in the past few days. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Joe Biden, uh, big Flyers fan, and we're going to need him to outlaw injuries. I think it's going to be what the, uh, what or something, or the outlaw getting hurt, something like that. Cause, uh, Veto on injuries. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not allowed to get hurt. Got to get back in there. You feel fine. I don't, this is a uh, story of the week, though, Steve. Literally from the time we stopped recording until. This game tonight, uh, just just injuries galore. Just everybody's getting hurt. A game and injury, I think, or an injury a game, I should say. Uh, so yeah, far, from they're mistaken. dropping like flies. It's yeah. it's pretty terrible, and it's and the thing is, the injuries are all over the place. Where you've got some major ones, you've got mm-hmm. some guys who just kind of check, you know, punched in, and it's the the Grandpa Simpson gif where he checks in and he <laughs> wa- immediately walks out. Man couple guys like that it's it's everything yeah it's uh it's it's not good at first of all first and foremost however you want to talk about this it's uh it's not good for the floors uh because uh I, the way i look at it is uh, the biggest question i think steve coming into this year was how the defense and to a lesser extent the team overall five and five would look without Niskanen on the ice uh, and even the penalty kill and just Niskanen was came in, was a pretty big part of the team for one year. A lot of the on ice totals for the team improves, including like chances against the, the penalty kill, everything like that. And then we come into this year, Niskanen drops a surprise retirement on us. And we were like, well, that's a huge hole in defense. How are the Flyers going to recover? Surprise. Surprise. Yeah. Hey, surprise. I'm done. Uh, and then we don't even... <laughs> it was such a stabilizing factor last so year, good. especially 
having him and Ivan Provorov, having a legitimate top pairing, a shutdown pairing that you could throw in there in those situations late in the game was amazing. And why did I get used to it? And again, we were a little skeptical of the trade at the time, but saw a way it could work out. It did. And he really, he filled a lot of gaps this team was missing, especially in on their own half of the red line end. Like they just, uh, it was, the team did not look the same in the bubble. And I think a lot of that was because Niskanen apparently just wasn't comfortable with the COVID situation at all, which again, no judgment, but that could be a big explanation for why they kind of play more of a shell game in the bubble and why they weren't really driving play or for checking as hard in the third period, kind of like keeping teams down at their own end and suffocating teams late in games. And it was just a lot of car to heart bailing them out. And coming into this year with the Gus Band-Aid, we were kind of expecting that. And then not, not expecting that, but it wasn't going to be smooth sailing, I guess. And then Katoria injury, the first injury of the week, Sean Katoria. Uh, there's no definite timetable for him just in an expected amount of time. He's going to be out at least, which is always encouraging for, I I prefer at most. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he's out at most two weeks, great. We'll push this. Just, you know, just a lot of it won't be sober. We're not going to watch the game, whatever. That's fine. Two weeks. We're just not going to pay attention to it, but he's out at least two weeks with a costochondral separation. Is that, I got, I think I got that. Yeah. I think I got, I I had an easier time with the forecast. Yeah. I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If, let me throw you five Russian names versus five <laughs> yeah, medical terms and, and see what you do better on. <laughs> no. I think I'd do better on the Russian I names. I think I might do better on the Russian names, too, yeah. Because there's less expectation. Anyway, I don't know. But uh, we talked about how uh, yeah, it occurs when the rib tears away from the cartilage, connects to your breastbone. We both knew that. type of injury is usually occurs by a sudden, sudden impact to your chest. Symptoms include sharp pain, breathing, coughing. And sneezing. It's not fun, uh, apparently. That sounds hard. Uh, it sounds like not a good time. And, uh, yeah, we've had, apparently, a bunch of people have had experience with it or something similar. Or maybe not a bunch, but the people that have weighed in and said it's going to take a little bit of time. So it looks like the two-week time frame is a little optimistic. Maybe more, like, two to six weeks, I think, is what we're going with, is what the general uh, general feel is for them. And, again, on the forecast, we laid it out two weeks from last Friday. Uh, in terms of how much time he missed, that would mean he would miss six games, 10.7% of the season, now down to missing five more games. And if he missed a month, that would be 14 games, which is literally a quarter of the season. And Woo-hoo. for any, I mean, for the Flyers, uh, Katoria being out that long is is a big blow. Uh, and again, when you're looking to... I'd say he's one of, one of two Flyers, three Flyers that if they were out for any significant period of time, drastically affects the team's chances. It's it's him, Provorov, and Carter Hart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, like right now. Yeah, this year. Yeah, I agree. 100%. And we... And then going back to the listening question, if you're trying to solve the question of does this team still have uh, identity as being defensive and being able to take away scoring chances and actually not fall apart at 5-on-5 five five every game, Sean Couturier is a pretty huge part of that answer to kind of combat Niskanen's uh, disappearance. So Couturier going down and Niskanen going down, just from a general standpoint of keeping the puck in the offensive zone and controlling play at 5-on-5 takes a huge blow. And both those things happening, Niskanen's last NHL game and Couturier going down, happened within a span of three games that actually mattered. 
the last game of the playoffs last year, opening game this year, Katori gets hurt in the second game of the year. So now you're going from Katori and Niskanen in the lineup to judging what this team is without those two. And another person that helps to drive play and would solve part of the problems on the blue line with Niskanen going down would be Phil Myers, uh, who, again, didn't play a ton of special teams last year. Pretty good defensively, good at 5-5. Five and five. Him and Sanheim were a really good formidable pair last year, and it was looking like before the Myers injury came up, it, it was going to be Myers and Sanheim were going to have to play a good game and the Flyers had a chance to win this year, or they were going to play mediocre or play poorly, and the Flyers were going to have to help Carter Hart stood on his head. Because the, the top pair of Proveroff and Braun had their flaws, bottom pair of Gustafson and Hag have their bra- uh, problems. They don't have their Braun bronze on that other pair, but Gustafson and Hag have their problems. So it's, and they're going to give, they're going to have points in that game where they're just going to give you chances. Like they're just, it's, uh, it's a lot to ask. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. Like they're, and you know, every pair, every game is going to have times where they give opportunities to the opponents. But like, uh, I'm thinking of that Gustafson shift uh, against the Sabres in the, the, the third game. The, the six to one loss this week, where he just had two blatant giveaways in the the defensive zone and the neutral zone to set up a string of chances. Like that feels like with those two other pairs for San Jose Myers, it's going to happen at least once, twice a night, maybe. And those are going to be they're going to be tough asks for Hart to get, and he's been stopping them recently. I'd almost prefer Gustafson at this point to just do the Andrew McDonald sprawl and call I it mean, a day, yeah. the starfish sprawl, yeah, because like. He's a turnstile right now, and I mean that literally because guys are just going around him, and it's crazy. I've never seen this. He and he's had a couple. He had a try to clear a puck went off. I think NAK and ended up being a goal later in that Sabres game. Had a pretty easy cross ice pass get it broken up right at the top of the, the crease. Missed it in that game too. He can't get the puck out of the fucking zone. I don't know. Like I, I don't. I have no idea what his like advanced exit numbers look like or whatever i he, well, he just has not looked good this but year bad. yeah this year they're bad whatever they are they are bad. bad this year like they have to be like when you watch them and tonight that was another thing with the team tonight was that the first two periods that they just couldn't get out of their own zone at times which is going to be a problem with the new anyway we didn't even talk about the phil myers injury yet uh suffered a fractured <laughs> rib and is considered week to week uh he's hurt on Ugh. a also sounds very painful. Very painful. I would imagine, yeah, that's got to hurt like a bitch. And the Katori injury came, uh, he took a hit from Jared McCann. And I prefer, of course, again, that Jared McCann. But uh, he is, took that hit early in the loss, or the win on Friday. And he's out for some time. Uh, Phil Myers was hit by Jake McCabe uh, in the neutral zone. Again, it was a pretty harmless looking hit uh but like what why did the harmless hits result in these major they, yeah, a bunch like, of them. <laughs> when mccann tried to decapitate a guy with his elbow yeah, it didn't do anything mccann throws his uh, elbow in the sandheim's head at like full speed and sandheim's like oh all right uh, mccann by the way got fined ten thousand dollars for that uh no suspension so thanks league for not uh suspending him hey it's it's all about what happened not about <laughs> the intent yeah that's right yeah yeah exactly as we've seen many times with the Titans in the past so uh but yeah pretty much my point now that Myers is out it's gonna be they had St. High Myers there as a reliable pair to kind of lean on and they did last year in the playoffs we saw it last year when Pro Ralph and Niskanen were struggling they leaned into that pair but now they tried I mean we'll go through the uh 
the numbers from uh, tonight. So the the pairs tonight were Provorov, Sandheim, the good pair, Gustus and Braun. No, thank you. I mean, just no, <laughs> like just at all, no. And then uh, the last pair was Robert Haig and Mark Friedman, who I know we're not like Freeman is all right so far, but I just I mean like that second and third pair just. It's going to be rough, especially if Ghost Ghost should be back yeah. next week. But, I mean, um, we'll, we'll see how he does to adjust to that. But just going through these numbers tonight, Pro Rob Sandheim had a 35.71 uh, shot attempts, four percentage. They had five of the – Flyers had five of the 14 shots that took place while they were on the ice at five and five, and they had under 50 expected goals, four percentage. We're also on the ice for a goal against. Gustafson and Brown were bad. Uh, under 30, Corsi, four percentage. They had – Flyers had three of the 10 shots uh, at 5-on-5 five five when they were out there. 21.1 expected goals, four percentage, uh, and one goal against. And then Hagen Friedman were even worse. 22.22, Corsi, four percentage. One shot out of the five that were they were on the ice for, and then a 4.36 expected goals, four percentage. So, like, the, the second and third pair tonight, you couldn't put on the ice because they got shot. Not doing any favors for Carter no, Hart. They were, out shot, they were out shot 4-10 and had a combined... 25.50 something expected goals for percentage. So that's just, it's not going to work. And again, Ghost should be coming back after this series. So he should be out Saturday and then he should be back in the lineup versus the Devils. But with this defense, uh, and considering you lost your best defensive forward, uh, I think, Steve, I, I think you just got to kind of go into just win now mode, baby. Like, like now. I'm a big fan of focusing on the process during the regular season. And as long as they're not losing 10 games at a time and it's not anything that shows concern going down, like for playoff implications or anything like that, I'm more concerned with how they look during the game and not necessarily racking up wins all the time. But right now they have to get some wins over the next couple. Like it's going to be, they're going to get massively outshot and they're going to look sloppy every single night for them the foreseeable future and Hart and Elliot are going to need to play pretty well. Hart played really well tonight and they still lost in a shootout. Yeah. And man, I felt so bad for Hart during this game, especially after that first period where the Flyers got drastically outshot. Well, it was 18 to three or 14 to three. It was, but the 14, three, three. it was the difference. It was the three. That was the big, they had three shots. They weren't (laughs) (laughs) nothing. That's nothing. It's horrible. Yeah. And like, that's, and again, this Bruins team, and, you know, they didn't have a even strength goal coming into this game. They did not have, they haven't played with Pashnik yet, yet, and they still don't have Andre Kasha, which I, that's not, I know that's not a name, but he's still a good forward for them, who'd probably be in their top six, maybe chipping in some goals. They didn't have those two guys. They haven't been scoring. They scored four goals in the third period tonight against the Flyers. They had two even strength goals against the Flyers in a span of 109. A little bit of that is eventually the levy's going to break, you know, because they were put on all these chances they couldn't score. But at the same time, like, they don't. <laughs> they don't have all these chances. <laughs> if you keep that. That's my, uh, that's my Robert Plant, by the way. Just that one part. Just the very. <laughs> if it keeps on when COVID's right. done. Yeah, we're gonna do. A... When COVID's done, you and I are getting going out to karaoke and doing when the levee breaks, and it's it's gonna be something else. I'm gonna do John Bottom, old John Bottom, not the current John Bottom. I'm gonna. You're do just a, gonna yeah. do the drum sounds. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna do that. Okay, so let's just do a full step brothers set then. Yeah, and I'll I'll play Moby Dick I'll for be... real. Yeah, I'll just do that. Yeah, I'll do the singing. You do the drums, and we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, let's just. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, I mean, fuck, Steve. Let's can we be so serious? What are, what are our options on defense? On here? defense, because we got okay. So because like we got we got the fried man over here. My favorite. Yeah, so character, let's talk about Freeman fried real quick. Uh, can he be a guy who actually steps in? And because it wasn't encouraging tonight, but. I want to give him a legit shot. I want him to get a shot to actually show us what he's got. So I think if... So first of all, the options come back to if Ghost is actually able to come back and play and they put him in the lineup for the games next week against the Devils, I don't think you have to do that. You don't have to do that crazy of a thing to kind of fix this situation. You have... You can do pro rough ghost on the top pair. That okay, so let me rephrase that. That's probably the craziest thing I had to do. It's just pro rough and ghost on the top pair. I mean, that was gonna be their their plan They were uh they were going into the season it. before Ghost ended up on the, the COVID list. That was what the, the preseason pairing was. Yeah, they did have some practices together. Um and yeah, I mean they I don't think there was anything against that. I I don't know if they were like he was on. I don't know if he was on the top pair going in out of camp. I don't know. Who knows? Who the fuck? He was expected to have a better year this year, though. Like he wasn't supposed to be years old, Ghost. So hopefully this year, whatever he does with Pro Ralph, he actually looks better. But the Pro Ralph and Ghost too have had success in the past. And then you could do Sandheim and Braun, who looked pretty good last year. Or at least they had good online numbers last year at the beginning of the year. And then you just kind of keep uh, Heg and Gus uh, together on the third pair. And by the way, Heg. Real quick, I think Gus is, might be worse so far, but it's not exactly like Robert Haig's been killing it. I mean, he's still doing that thing. He'll just get the puck and lob it down the ice for no reason and get icings. Uh, well, his fill clear lets go. Robert Haig is yeah. that's what he does. Like he's a def- he's a defensive defenseman. He's the guy who's supposed to sit. Yeah, back exactly. And feel reliable. Gus at least brings a, a nice dynamic offensive set of skills with him and is a, a, a definitely a boon on the power play. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> the thing. Yeah, that's like... Egg just has his invisible hits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Gus is somebody who, yeah, can do all that. Egg, I mean, I really just think people Robert just Hague's don't like... got invisible hits, yeah. <laughs> I just... I don't think... I think people just don't like advanced stats. And people say that at advanced stats say that Robert Hag bad. And then they just don't like Robert Hick because of that. We talked about that a little bit today. I think we're. I think I'm going with that. That seems to be. That's my. I'm putting that out there. That's my personal stance and all that. But he does have moments. But he just you know fucks up a lot. But anyway, Friedman. Uh, yeah, we, he played a little bit last year. He stepped up uh, last season when Ghost and Braun went down with injuries. Uh, he played with uh, Hegg for, I think, seven games last year, six or seven games last year. And they had terrible underlying numbers then, but that was also very much uh, the Flyers just had the mentality we got to win these games because Mark Freeman's in the lineup because he just shouldn't have been. It was a lot of injuries on the blue line. So they had a 34.26 goals, four percentage together, 39.76 expected goals, four percentage together, and then two goals, four and two goals against in 73 minutes last year. That was uh, Hegg and Freeman together. And again, they were. Together tonight, not great numbers uh, together. Realistically, if Myers is still out, Ghost doesn't look like himself or ends up getting injured too, where they have another injury. I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of Freeman getting into the top four, but like as a third pair experiment, I, I mean, I'd rather just see what he's got. I mean, he's been in the, the pipeline for a while. He's been progressing up the ladder. Like he got into a game 2018-19, looked Got his first taste last year. I wouldn't mind if this is a year he actually gets a little bit of a role if the opportunity comes up. 
if that makes sense. And this would have been a time. And then unfortunately, Bergeron, or not Bergeron, uh, Martian smashes face into the ice. It would be a really big story if Bergeron smashes face into the ice, but it's only Martian. So it's not uh, anything near as uh, attention worthy. But uh, yeah, what was it? Freeman left the yeah, game. Yeah, I mean. That sucked for Friedman, and of course, yeah. Marchand did that. You're towering over the guy. Come on, you can't. Yeah, and like take down Mar. But we all know Marchand is the wild card. He does whatever the hell he wants. He is a rat, dirty son of a gun. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's just Ugh. yeah, not a friend. I don't I just, think he's I, a friend of our rat. He's not the friend of our. He's rat. not a friend of no, our friend. Related. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I don't think they're related. No, he wouldn't be related to such scum. The thing, <laughs> I felt so bad. For Friedman, especially if Friedman ends up being out for any stretch, oh God, and yeah. uh, Frost, because like these guys are getting their shot well, that yeah, we wanted like... them to get, show you know the the chance to really showcase their talent and immediately get hurt. It sucks. Yeah, and Freeman Freeman drew a penalty tonight. Freeman drew a penalty on Corrali in the D zone uh, hold, and apparently, according to our AHL people, uh, Freeman is pretty good at drawing penalties in the AHL. Uh, so that is a skill that. Maybe he brings up here at this level. I just, I the, the physicality, I think you just got to get used to a little bit. Well, I mean, I'm, it's kind of easy to say that now with Marshan body slamming him. But that was also like picking a spot. But uh, he tried to check somebody earlier in the game and he bounced off him in the first period. I saw that too. Uh, but Maybe this just isn't your thing, bud. Yeah, I mean, but he, look, he, he's, I think he can be fine. I want to see how he, I want to see more of him on the third pair with a stay-at-home guy like Hag. But to your point about Frost real quick, let's talk about Frost. So Frost would have been somebody we we were excited to see coming in this year. He was going to get an opportunity, left on the team as a 13th man. Torre gets hurt. Frost works his way into the lineup on the line with Wimblom and Konechny. Separates the shoulder on, uh, again, another rather innocent-looking hit from Jake McCabe. Uh, Jake McCabe. Uh, watch out, buddy. Uh, that's all. I'm not saying I'm coming out for you, but uh, we're just gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna fight you, Jake McCabe. But uh, he separated his shoulder and he's out indefinitely. I don't know. I mean, that really. Yeah, it sucks for Frost. Uh, that really is what it comes down to. I was gonna say I didn't hear a timeline on when they think he uh, will be back. Uh, obviously, because indefinitely is what I said. Yeah, it's indefinitely. So, uh, and I'm yeah, not really sure. Not yeah, I'm not sure what. Uh, I'm not. I don't even, I can't even think of like how long people are usually out with separated shoulders. I don't know. And that's the problem with a separated shoulder is that's a lingering kind of injury yeah. too that can follow you. Oh, yeah. It does not, cl- it doesn't usually heal very cleanly. I'm, you know, I'm not exactly a doctor. No, we're doctors. Yeah. No, this is yeah. Yeah. Dr. Forsyth and Dr. Jaco, obviously. Yeah. I, so <laughs> when doctors, folks, but I do know this much. Separated shoulders are not clean injuries. They are not clean healing injuries. Yeah, so uh, every chest has two sockets. And in those sockets, uh, it's filled with uh, like silly putty. And then you put your arms in. It's a whole thing. I just, look. It's a whole thing. It's a hockey podcast. We don't need to, I don't want to talk down to anybody here. So, you know, you know what I mean, Steve? Call Dr. Jake. Yeah, get him on the line right oh, yeah, now. Oh, yeah, we got to get him on the line. Let's get Dr. Jake on. He can talk about all this. Regardless, it's bad news for Frost. They called up Bunneman, who, whatever your opinion is, okay, fine. And I saw Slam and Sammy Morin. What about Sammy? Like, he's back. Well, he's he, oh, Slam and Sammy Morin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. No, he's back. Yeah, I thought. He I don't know. Like, we could see some Sammy in there. We could, and we actually the Morin Mafia is very well, excited about the prospects of winger Sammy Morin. Stepping in there and crushing some fools. Look, 
I mean, Freeman is maybe out with uh, I don't, I don't. He's probably not going to be out, but uh, he might have a concussion actually. But that would be crazy if right after <laughs> trying Sam Morin at wing, they were like. We need you to. Yeah, you need to go back to defense. Wrong, so, you know, if you don't mind, just slide on but, in there. You know, considering the situation, it is kind of crazy. Because the problem is right now for the Flyers too is this is all happening at the beginning of the season. Uh-huh. Everyone's still a contender. That is nobody the thing. is desperate to sell, and I, like people say, go out and make a trade. But it's not that easy. Nobody wants to trade away a good asset at this point because they're not. It's not the trade deadline. They're that not is ready to do that unless thing. they are like Ottawa yeah. or somebody like that. That is a huge thing I think people are overlooking. And also, when we get to this list of like possible other names that I threw together, because I've, I've seen them throw out there, and I just look through random like defensemen in the league that are on practice squad or on the taxi squads or you know what last year the deal, whatever. A lot of these guys changed teams this offseason. So I doubt the team that signed them is going to be like, oh, your team needs help now for game. Okay. So let me trade away this guy I signed. Like, it's just not going to happen. So at this point in time, yeah, that's not great. Um, and also just, I think the thing, well, so with Marin too, I, I think the fact that, you know, ghost is coming back. I don't think a trade's going to happen this weekend or anytime soon, because they probably want to see what it looks like with ghost back in there. Even if it looks pretty bad now. Um, but and they also have a body that can throw into the game on Saturday with Marin. So, like, you can throw Sam out there for – you could – like, this This does not work out well for our preseason bet because this is the situation that came about that would mean Marin has to play one way or another. <laughs> and I did not – This does this, this is a wild card. I'd have to go back and listen to the bet to, to be sure. I think if it, it was uh, – if he plays – I thought it was if he plays a game this year. Oh, if he plays this year, year at forward, I think, is what it was. Right, Fuck, so that yeah, that just kind of you know throws still it, though it's negated. I'll, I'll give you two fifty no, plays on defense. <laughs> that's fair. Okay, that's okay, fair. I'll Venmo you two fifty. Enjoy that two fifty. I'll Venmo you two fifty if you plays. It'll buy me a shitty beer at a bar when bars are open again. <laughs> a couple years, yeah, and you'll gain interest by then. So yeah, I mean bars are open. I'm just not going in. Yeah, there. oh no, I'm yeah, fuck no, not until I get that vaccine. I get the first shot, go out, slam some beers at the bars. And then get the second one a couple weeks later. So that works. So you do it. That's exactly. Uh, that's how exactly how it works. Yeah. I again, we're doctors. Well, the alcohol activates the vaccine, folks. <laughs> do not listen to any of this for even a second. Okay. This is 100% counterpoint. Incorrect. It's a free country. Do what you want. If you want to drink some beer, do whatever you want. All right. It's. Oh my god. No, we're not doing that. Don't. We should probably listen to uh. Right. Start calling you C for all your. <laughs> Bad information. <laughs> Folks, C's got a new post out there. C dog at the bottom shit. of this one. No, we're not. No, 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 no. We're not associating that brand with no, no. Oh, so oh, what are oh, our options? Oh, oh. Yeah, oh. figuring out what I'm putting down. No, okay, what? I'll be Cubell. The... All right, what's up? what's going on? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so considering the fact that not many teams are going to really want to deal defensemen, especially defensemen that would make a difference on the Flyers right now. What are the Flyers options at this time? Looking at so there's in-house Freeman, Pouliot, who I mean now probably not uh offensive defenseman on the practice squad. Uh Zamula could come up and play. I doubt that happens for Saturday, but that could be something they do down the line. 
again, probably, I think he's the highest graded out defenseman that is closest to the NHL for the Flyers, if that makes sense. Like, I think Cam York is probably regarded as the biggest blue chip prospect the Flyers have on the blue line, but Zamula is probably second, and also he is... This would be an opportunity for him to play. Like I, I think he play. He might play at some point this year, and this would be a pretty good opportunity for that. I like his game a lot. There really is not any. I mean, he's a six foot three, big ass dude that can skate well, creates offensively, uh, doesn't just a lot of offensive creativity, and also he plays pretty tight defense. And he just seems like a, a lot of the stuff checks off of like how checks off Al Myers, undrafted guy with size, mobility. It can also help you at both ends of the ice, and that's kind of what Zmula is, but it sounds like he might be a little more polishing that extent. I think the big holdback with him is he has not played since a WHL game on December 8th, 2019, and that was... Been a while. Yeah, been a while. Yeah, and then he never played in the NHL, so to go from a WHL game in December a little over a year ago to the NHL might be a big ask. Uh, and then also... Sam Marin, which just you mentioned. Just throw him in there. Yeah, just throw him in there. The, you know, trial by fire. So fly our way. Yeah. Uh, Sam Marin and then Nate Prosser, who, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want him to be there, but I don't even know if they're contemplating this as like a possible option just for the one game idea. Uh, 34-year-old right-hand defenseman, last played in the NHL with Minnesota in 2018-19. Minnesota Connection, 10 points in 59 games last year. And he probably is not the answer, but like, again... When he was at back in his heyday with the Wild, he had fine. When he was on the ice, the Wild allowed less chances and high quality chances against. Maybe not by a ton, but he did make an impact. And maybe you need him for one NHL game. Maybe the Flyers are thinking about it. I don't even know what. I don't even. Know, I don't even think they have the cap space to do it. It's a warm body. Yeah, it's a warm body. So it might just be. Uh, it, it might really just be Marin. I, I I think it might be, but we shall. Outside of the Flyers organization now, the big three names I keep, uh, I see keep uh, thrown around, David Savard, Jason Demers, Nicholas Jalmerson. Uh, but Jalmerson, I keep seeing stuff. There, there's something about uh, he may not waive his trade clause to get out of Arizona. Demers was a name the Flyers were talking about possibly acquiring uh, in this offseason. I think it was 31 Thoughts back in October. Freeman said something about uh, Fletcher kicking the tires on Demers. Demers, 32-year-old right-handed uh, defenseman with the Coyotes, final year of a deal where he's getting paid $4.5 million a year. 11 assists in 50 games last year. Um, and again, I think like 4.5 is a little rich for me, uh, considering who he is and how old he is and he is in his career. Uh, but don't have to worry about expansion drafts if you're going to give up assets to get him. And he would fill in on the right side, and he is more defensive-oriented than another mobile blue liner that doesn't really uh, crack down on cycles against. But um, those are the two guys out in Arizona. David Zavard, I think, is the answer if they're actually going to trade and get a guy. He is probably the best option out there. Uh, I don't know if the Blue Jackets want to trade him or even want to trade him in the division, but I do. Checks off a lot. I mean, big right-handed guy that drives play as well. Get me Luke Shen. Luke Shen I almost put on this list because he's on Tampa Bay's practice squad. But then I was like, too many of these fucking guys. Like, that's the thing. Looking around the league, there are, like, guys that I'm like, there's no even a point to trade them. So, like, a couple of these names. <laughs> Tyson Berry is a guy, is another person that I think could fill in 
for the season if it ends up being like Myers is out for a really long time, right-hand defenseman. But again, like I was saying earlier, he just joined the Oilers on a one-year $3.75 million deal. So one-year deal, so you don't have to worry about expansion drafts. He did get three point seven five million deer out of it. Yeah, he got he could buy how much how many deers do you think he could buy for three point seven five million? What's the going well, there's not even a going rate, who knows? A lot, buddy. Yeah, there's I'm gonna say million. Yeah, probably I mean Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But that's anyway, yeah. <laughs> Thirty nine points in seventy games for Barry last year, five goals. Uh, for Toronto, uh, twenty one oh six average time on ice, so he plays a lot too. Uh, and he is a guy that he will chip in offensively, and he has his defensive mistakes, but it's not a drastic full tilt. I don't think it's a full tilt offensive defenseman with him. Like he does seem to bump up the offensive numbers a little bit, but he doesn't seem to be wildly misplaying plays in the defensive zone. So, but I don't think the Oilers are going to trade him. I mean, Holland just signed him this off season. So again, that Joshua Brown is another guy. Um, End zone D numbers are right, but horrible at the transition game. Right hand defenseman, but again, just joined the Senators this offseason from the uh, from the Panthers, where he had fifty six or appeared in fifty six games last year. Uh, Travis Hamonic, who we talked about uh, over the summer as well, I think, but he just signed in Vancouver. Defensive minded player. I mean, I like the Tyson Berry, Travis Hamonic, um, Nick Holden was another guy I was looking at, but he's left handed uh, and also cost well. He's got this year and another year on his deal. So Nikita Zadorov, who's ginormous but sucks, can just skate well. Uh, Dean Kukin, Adam Clendenning, Mark Pizik, Kevin Connaughton, Kevin Miller. So, like, these are all the names I was looking at. Jordan Osterley was another one. Mark Ald, I even threw on there. Those are all the names of guys that, like, they're just bodies. There are bodies that I saw their name, and I was like, yeah, they would trade that guy. And, like, if they weren't. And even with that said, like, I doubt Nikita Zadorov just signed with the Blackhawks. And even though, I mean, he sucks. So I'm sure the Blackhawks would want to sign him just because they would get something in return. But he, he's just not good. Um, so, and he's also he's also left-handed. So that becomes the other thing, too, is they really need a right-hander. So it's like Tyson Berry, Harmonic, Brown, I would throw into that mix. And Brown's not even like a... Brown's like a name I'm throwing out there. Nobody wants Brown. That's like another option that I'm throwing out there that like Ottawa probably isn't going to be. They're not going to hold all their prospects and assets close to the vest. Like they'll probably throw it out there. If only they just jumped on Delzato sooner. Michael Delzato could have yeah. been here. DJ MDZ. Pornography instead of Columbus. <laughs> could have been getting. DJ MDZ could have been ours. Yeah. Could have been getting yelled at by porn stars on Twitter in Philly again. But instead. Here, that was that whole thing. I think it was Lisa Ann. I think that's still... He, he yeah. slid into those DMs. Yeah, he slid into those DMs. never forgotten. <laughs> Fucking MDZ. MDZ... What was it? MDZ was on a PTO with the Columbus Blue Jackets. So DJ MDZ had a PTO with CBJ. Is that a lot? Did you get all the letters? That was a lot of stuff. That was, that was pretty I good time. So, that yeah. was I good. think that was all the letters. Yeah, that was yeah. all the letters yeah. in the world. All right. Hey, listen. I Googled this and the first... The first result that came up under news was from whatever first Ohio battery is that said Michael Delzato has been the Blue Jackets' best defenseman this season. You know what? You know they're serious right there with the team with Seth Jones, <laughs> and Zach Wierenski, Zach Wierenski. <laughs> and David Savard. Even they got yeah. a whole bunch of people over there that uh, I would say are better than uh, 
then yeah. Why well, don't the Flyers don't go get any of those guys? Yeah, why don't you just right go now. get it? Yeah. What's keeping... That's how trades work. That's what how is keeping work. Fletcher? I want yeah. this guy, and you get him. I don't understand why they don't just do that. It's insane. I don't know why Jones or Wawrinski were on this team last week or before. I mean, it was obvious the Flyers needed help in the D zone. I mean, fuck. You know, there's two guys I mean, that Victor help. Hedman is just sitting there in Tampa Bay. Actually, speaking and of... why isn't he just sitting there here? <laughs> Speaking of Columbus, though, did you see that Dubois stuff tonight? Tor- Tortorella. Weird, wild stuff. Dressed him and then did not play him for, like, entire periods, I think. Like, he played one shift with, like, five minutes left in the first and then just didn't play him. I, I love what Tortorella is doing out there in Columbus. Ryan Johansson, out of town. Artemi Panarin, out of town. Matt Deshane, out of town. Let's get Dubois on that train. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? What's crazy about that, to me, is... That it's almost more of a punishment for the rest of the team because they have to be tired as shit <laughs> yeah. from being down a man. On also, Dupree is pretty fucking good. So that's like, this is like, it has the feel of when Bruby used to dunk on Couturier when he couldn't lug around fucking like Ronaldo and Blair Jones up and down the ice and like have oh successful God. numbers. And he was just like, well, Bergeron's doing it. It's like, is he? Because, you know, no, he's not. Because <laughs> this is Zach Ronaldo. You know, a lot of people forget that Barubi used to pull that shit quite a bit. Yeah, it's um... uh, winning an inexplicable Stanley Cup with the St. Louis Blues will be will do a lot to whitewash your image. Is, I mean, Craig Barubi could he, be the he did a he did a much better job with the St. Louis Blues. He was just no longer a good fit. Oh yeah, no, no, he, it, it was not working out. <laughs> I know most people didn't go to that hot take factory, but some people did. I was going to say he is the Doug Peterson of hockey because he, uh, he got one championship that might be an anomaly. And then, uh, you know, it looks like, uh, who knows? Maybe. We'll see. Who knows? I don't know. Got one really good run out of a goalie that nobody expected and won a title out of it. So kind of like another you quarterback. Love <laughs> I love. Hey, look. Do I look nervous, bro? I love Jordan Bington. He's my favorite goalie ever. Just down-the-earth, personable guy. Uh, and you can tell it when you look at his face. So, speaking of the Flyers' defensive numbers, we weren't. But the Flyers are letting in, letting up a lot of shots. Uh, a lot of chances. And uh, coming into tonight, uh, they were tied with Vancouver for 28th with 36 shots against per game. Devils are the only team that's worse with 38.3. Glad I drafted Blackwood in our fantasy league. Uh, 20, Flash of 29th in Corsi 4 percentage, 25th in Corsi, or in both Corsi 4 and Corsi against for 60. 30th in shot against, shots against for 60 with 35.78. And Vancouver's 29th with uh, 34.96, so almost a shot difference there. Uh, and then the Flyers 25th with 44.42 expected goals for percentage and 24th in expected goals against for 60. They're also 4th with a 106.7 PDO. And again, the PDO is combining shooting percentage, save percentage, usually a good indication for luck. Flyers have the 4th highest amount of that in the league, 106.7. Should be around 100. So all those numbers I didn't just say to make you feel bad. I'm saying the Flyers might be getting lucky. And if all the injuries are going to keep piling up, maybe... It might take more than Hart and Elliot to play out of their minds because first two games of the year, Carter Hart played pretty well. Carter Hart played out of his mind in the second game. Brian Elliott played out of his mind in the fourth game. Carter Hart played pretty well tonight, and the Flyers couldn't even win. So I think it's going to come down to goaltending. 
and that might be it. I mean, I really, I don't know what to say. Like, I want to, I want to see what the team Which looks like. Which is a like. scary prospect for the typical Flyers season. Typically, and then this time, I, I still feel a little uneasy because I don't like, you know, uh, just last week, two weeks ago, maybe, feel a lot more confident about this team. But you know, at five on five, there really could not be the Gatoria injury is a huge loss, and I mean, like Phil Myers was pretty good at five on five. So you lose, and again, the Niskanen, uh, Niskanen Myers combination being out is is a lot tougher than I think people realize in terms of the whole structure of the game plan. Because that's oh, Niskanen was a huge loss. Yeah, it, I mean, that was it. Really, was the stabilizing factor on that defense in a way that we hadn't seen in a long time back there. And the fact that you could pair him with Ivan Provorov, they could, they were your go-to pair. And the fact that you could also then have Sanheim Myers as a solid number two, and then kind of just have like the third guys that you sheltered. We hadn't seen that really since Pronger, Timonen, Carl, and Coburn. Yeah, no, that's, it's true. And also now, I mean, we're not even going to get the tested with uh, Myers, but I I don't know who I really want to go. There's nobody that can fill in that Niskanen role on this team right now. Even Myers, I think, could come close, but I don't think he can. Right-handed shot that can clamp things down in the defensive zone. He's capable of doing it, but I don't think he's able to do it consistently enough as Niskanen did last year. Um, but it's fucking it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough couple games here. Uh, whenever people start coming back, because even now, I mean, unfortunately, Frost Myers and Katoria looks like they're not going to be coming back for a couple weeks now. So, I mean, it's going to be just a lot of getting out shot, a lot of looking sloppy, and hopefully Hart can erase all all the extra mistakes and the Flyers can add out some wins here. And they're really going to have to keep taking advantage of the, the one positive so far this season is they've actually been able to take care uh, or take advantage of their power play opportunities. Yeah, they got to keep doing which, it. They got to keep they doing it. They have to. And, and, they, yeah. I, I, I do. One guy you have to give credit to, JVR, has been stepping up and <laughs> actually In his doing office? what we need him to do on the power play. That's he was right. uh, huge tonight. First two goal games since Festivus of 2019, if you were there with us for that win over the Ottawa Senators. But JVR, yeah, just went to the slot, went to the crease twice tonight, and just got some goals. I mean, the, the second one was the... The second goal is what the power play needs to get back into. Uh, and having that setup of Drew cross-ice pass to Voracek, Voracek cross-ice pass to Flyer on the other side of the net. I mean, he just did it with connecting the game on Friday. Did it for fucking years with Simmons. And they did it with JVR on the, on the goal at the end there. Like they, I know it's a very easy thing to like say, but they, yeah, that power play, that's what it's going to need to to get going there. Cause again, it looked kind of stagnant before they started clicking in the second period. The first period, it didn't look great. So hopefully, uh, hopefully Michelle Terrian's up to the task because they, yeah, they really are going to need it. Uh, JVR two goals, Vorchek three assists, Hayes two assists, um, in the game tonight. Uh, also the second game, they allowed 40 shots against or more tonight. Um, Trying to think about, or I'm looking at other uh, random stats from tonight. Uh, according to Sam and Slam and Sammy, uh, today was Drew's 609th game as Philly's captain. He'll tie Clark on Saturday and pass him on Tuesday. Uh, so for That's all crazy. you, and Drew did score tonight. Uh, worth worth mentioning that. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so uh, get that out there. That is, that's crazy. And I know we are usually great defenders of Claude Giroux on this yeah, program. Yeah, but still just... And yeah, I mean like he... What's your yeah, but still? I was oh. <laughs> I was just going to laud him a little bit for his <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, career. But <laughs> yeah. what were you going to say? No, 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 go ahead. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was thinking of... I was thinking of something else completely different. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay. not going to talk on Claude. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, hey, if he's fine, I understand. Like I understand. Good. There are some legitimate, legitimate complaints you could have about Claude Giroux and his tenure here as Flyers captain and leadership, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, the guy is an all time flyer. And I think it's an incredible accomplishment that he has played. And I can't believe that the time has flown by like that, that he's played that many games as yes. captain of the Flyers. That is insane. So that's what I was going to say was the but to, uh, was I, I, I don't think. Like Clark, I don't remember how long he was captain for. Well, I don't remember at all because I wasn't alive. But I want to see how long he was captain for in like the seventies. Well, because I, I, they were also playing less games a regular season back then too. Yeah, that's the that's a big thing too. So I think they might be close to like the same. Well, and there was also that period where Clark wasn't the captain, and then he was the captain. Right, again. exactly. Which was yeah, three years, nineteen seventy nine, eighty to eighty one, eighty two. And then captain from 72, 73 to 78, 79. And then captain again, 82, 83, 83, 84. He's playing a pretty good amount of games, though. Like, they're all... No, this is a feat. 78, 77, 80, 76, 80, 71, 80, 76. Yeah, so it's not a cheap, it's not a cheap record he got there. I, I thought it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That, that's what my boat originally was for. But, uh, no, he... Is a pretty good captain. Turns out, Claude Drew, all right, captain. Uh, I don't want to want to piss everybody off out there. <laughs> but yeah, he's all right. Uh, and that is so. Again, if that is wrong, that's not on us. But if it's right, you're welcome. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's that. Do you want to talk about the other games real quick? Well, the the one other thing I wanted to mention also was I saw a stat with oh, uh, Giroux and Proveroff the other day that they had played oh, the consecutive... uh, 319 consecutive God. games. Both of them had the same exact amount, and that's currently the ninth and 10th longest streak in the NHL. Uh, Keith Yandel has the longest streak with 868 right now. But it's yeah. funny because people often think of Claude Giroux as this injury-prone guy, somebody who doesn't, you know, oh, he's hurt too much, doesn't play that. But <laughs> 319 games straight played? Like, that is remarkably consistent that's a a healthy guy who is in there leading this team yeah i feel i feel like the uh i remember a couple years ago like when they because there was like a there's like an eight-year gap no it's 2010 11 to like 2016 17 drew leads the league in scoring and i always felt like the big comeback for that was well he played every game it's like yeah is that like does durability work against him how does that work like nobody else before like if you were killing it at your job and you were just doing amazing and the boss called into the office, and they're like, "You're over. Like you've done these many reports, and we expected half of that." And then he was like, "You're working too hard. Like you're working every day. We don't want that. That's not impressive at all. Like that's not <laughs> how that works. Off, yeah, for the love of God. Yeah, like that's it should not work against you as an argument. But that seems to be the only big thing. And I guess that's 320 games after tonight's game because this was as of 119. Yeah. I was going to say, I saw that, I remember seeing that in one of the, uh, I meant to put that in here, like go back and look at that screen grab, but I forgot to grab it. There are some shocking and some not so shocking names above those guys on this list right now. Yandel's number one. Yeah. Marlowe is number two. So not, not a 
big surprise there. Phil Kessel is number three. Ooh, yeah. 848. Yeah. Well, it's funny that, like, you know, like I think the thing with Kessel and Drew are, like, they look like guys that wouldn't be durable, I guess. They're, like, kind of smaller frames, and they kind of get busted for, like, not... Well, Kessel's the hot dog man. Yeah, he's the yeah, he's a hot dog guy. He's just all the guys eating hot dogs. All the time. You would expect Kessel, him being, but yeah, I mean Kessel been, just doesn't look. Yeah, he just kind of looks. Away. Yeah, he just kind of looks flabby. I don't know. Like he looks like. Uh, Has he not missed a game since '09? That's that's nuts. If that's that true. is kind of crazy. And he also uh, beat then it's Brent Burns. Yeah, okay. uh, that's that, that's insane too. Then uh, it's Brent Burns, Dmitry Orlov, Jacob Slavin. So Dmitry Orlov. Yeah. It's surprising. 401 games. Jesus Christ, dude. How long? Yeah. What? <laughs> All right, hold on. Who, who's Jacob that? Jacob Slavin yeah. and Adam Henrique. Adam Henrique, Shit. number seven on there, which is nuts to me. And then Connor Brown. Yeah, but like, who cares? If, uh, I think that might be the thing about like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, he may have been doing it, but nobody was really watching him. That's true. I mean, it's like a tree falling in the woods and nobody's there. Yeah, yeah nobody, nobody watches that tree fall either. Uh, Orlov started. <laughs> Orlov started in 2011-12. Ed, well, no, so Orlov his streak started in twenty eighteen. Later than that, I just I can't believe Orlov's been around. Fuck, dude, I'm getting too old. Like this is uh, yeah, we I gotta know. stop That's doing this. The, like, I, and by this, I mean we gotta right, stop fine. doing time. This is the last flight. I mean. No, no, no I'm not like we gotta stop forever. moving time forward. I'll keep doing the flips if we stop time, <laughs> and then I just don't get older, and I can just watch. All the hockey, yeah. But like Orlo, I I can't believe Orlo's right so now. Every uh-huh. time I pull, every time I pull a a gray hair out of my beard, that is <laughs> a, a cruel reminder of the constant march of time. God, yeah. I'm not I'm not quite well. I'm not going to say anything because God's got a pretty funny sense of humor when it comes to me and uh, saying stuff. So I'm not going to say anything about gray hair yet. But the uh, the floor, though. I mean, earlier in the week. So I'm going to go through some random stats from. Uh, the other games now, if we can get them. So, connecting at his hat trick, first career hat trick on Friday against the Pens. Ninth multi goal game of his career, his first since he had two goals in the Flyers' win over the Kings on January 18th, uh, 2020, last year. First career four point, four point game, ninth game with three plus points in his career. Uh, his first since he had three points at a 4 2 win over the Sharks on February 25th uh, last year. Snaps a 20-game goal drought dating back to uh, the Flyers' 5-2 win over the Caps in Washington on March 4th. Um, and then, oh, yeah, Gritty's hat for the the hat trick. The biggest hat I think I've ever seen in my life. Obnoxiously That big. was amazing. That yeah. was great. Konechny's hat trick, there was nobody in the stands except for Gritty, and Gritty had his own personal hat. I think it was size 14 <laughs> hat. For comparison's sake, I wear a seven and five eighths hat. Critties was fourteen. It was, in all honesty, I gotta give him credit. That that was a fucking hook. Like that was a throw to get that onto the oh, ice. Oh yeah, that's, that's like throwing a pool cover that like yards. Like that is, I don't even know how he did that. That's the world's biggest frisbee <laughs> with an obstacle in the world watching, and this guy out that's there true. in a costume just fucking heaves it over the glass. You really gotta give it to him. I mean, Gritty has Gritty is always entertaining, but Gritty has certainly upped his game for this season because it's just him. It's just <laughs> Gritty out there, and he knows it. Yeah, and he's doing his thing. He's been amazing, and I guess I can't imagine how boring some of these broadcasts would be 
if not for gritty. I mean, it'd still be great because it's hockey and we love hockey, obviously. Oh, yeah. But having gritty there makes it that much more entertaining. And without anybody to go to in the stands and without any reporters to go to between, you know, <laughs> we've gone into that with yeah, yeah, yeah. slash and jobs. But it's it's great having that giant orange monster there to entertain us. And it's really <laughs> made a huge difference in these extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, I was it was funny. I was thinking about uh, like just at one point in time, the Pirates didn't have a, a mascot. One point in time being forever until about two years ago. But like now, it's just yeah. I don't think I don't think kids are going to be fans of the Flyers if they didn't have a mascot. I think that was I was realizing that too because uh, this last decade of Flyers hockey, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's been okay. It hasn't been exciting. Like I, I don't no. know. Yeah, it's yeah, it Absolutely hasn't been not. hasn't been great. All, yeah, no. We we can all agree. They, I mean, there was a time where they were measured as literally the most mediocre team in sports. <laughs> literally over a five years span yeah, it was it was not it was not fun or exciting so i don't know i like do you think if we grew up and like what we saw during like the lindros time like the lindros era like the late 90s if we grew up now and we grew up with like reed and like raffle and all those guys do you think we'd be diehard flyers fans i don't know that's a tough question yeah I think I honestly I really say. don't know either because I know that Eric Lindros either scoring goals or beating the shit out of people when he was mad, where it's like one of the things that drew me to hockey when I was like seven or eight. So it would be Wayne a, Simmons. I mean, Wayne I, I think Claude Giroux and Wayne Simmons might have still drawn. You know what? Yeah. I mean, Giroux scored some of the most amazing goals I've ever seen in my lifetime, and that includes in the Lindros era. And Wayne Simmons just a badass. Wayne, Wayne Simmons would have been that guy. guy. Yeah. Wayne Simmons would have drawn He's me. Flyers talk. Yeah, no, exactly. He was very likable, and also he just scored goals and beat the shadow people. Like it's the combo in Philly that you can't beat if you're gonna play for the Flyers. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over two million vehicles and fifty thousand more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Um... But yeah, uh, what else from that game? Drew had a multi-point game, his first of the year. Vortex, first multi-point game. 
and then also in place, Couturier, uh, Kevin Hayes played 2109, Drew played 1953, and Patrick played 1742. Uh, what else here? Uh, that's it for that. Yeah, Buffalo won. I mean, that Buffalo game, the first one of the week was terrible. They're outshot 37 to 22. That was a that was an awful game. No, that That's was just a bad game. Games I've seen. Yeah, I mean, and that in was a minute. That was a game where I think it was, uh, you know, the Flyers won on Friday, but I think it was one of those things where they kind of got relaxed that they won and they weren't really ready for the game on Monday. If that makes sense, I know that sounds dumb, but like the Sabers played two rough games against the Caps, like games they deserved to win and lost. So they were probably a little pissed and motivated coming here, and then the Flyers were supposed to respond without Katori in the lineup, and then just. Pretty much just went on the ice and like farted for sixty minutes. So uh, giving up six goals, they responded, but yeah, it no, was a series was, of farts. Yeah, we, it was just a smelly response. Yeah, uh, giving up six, uh, they gave up six goals or more four times last year in sixty nine games. Uh, so they already did that once this year. That seven one loss to Pittsburgh, seven to three loss in Winnipeg, and uh, on December fifteenth, six one loss to San Jose on December twenty eighth, and then six two loss to the Coyotes on January fourth. So three of those losses though came in like a month span where a lot was going on with the team. That was when Lindblom got diagnosed with cancer. And then that road trip from hell last year where they won one, four and one. So Flyers didn't give up this many goals last year, uh, just out of the blue, except for that one game in Pittsburgh early in the season. Uh, so for them to give up six goals right now is a little alarming. And again, Couturier out and all the other injuries, but still not exactly great. Um, and a lot of those goals that game were not really Hart's fault. I thought like, Lazar had a crazy backhander. I mean, um, like they had Major a couple. Laser, that black that backhand was just insane. Yeah, Ryan Hart, and then they had a couple of uh, cross ice passes that got off that like Hart isn't responsible for. So just not great there. I feel bad for Hart this season because I I feel like the numbers have not reflected how he's actually played. Oh no, he's gonna get he. <laughs> his numbers might be a little bit of the Steve Mason treatment this year. Uh, if I'm going to pull that up, because uh, he is going to get bombarded with shots. The Flyers are going to spend a lot of time in the defensive zone and he's going to save a lot of them. He's not going to save all of them. And there are going to be nights where man, four goals against doesn't look great. Uh, but if you had watched the game, you would see that it probably should have been more of a loss than that. Like it just every night Hart is out there making some, unfathomable saves and it's just i think right now with how well this team is playing defensively some nights like tonight it's just not gonna be enough so he is gonna you're i think you're right like he's gonna be somebody who night in night out gonna make a shit ton of saves he's gonna be asked to make a ton of saves every night but then the flyers are gonna lose some games like three to two and people are gonna talk about the goals you let in even though whatever but uh yeah i meant mason not like uh, i meant mason you know a lot of work decent numbers and people are gonna be Kind of wonder they might wonder what's going on there, but it's hard. I mean, they, everybody sees the defense. It's hard. Too. Everybody, yeah. everybody knows. It's There's a difference hard. between him and yeah. Uh, NAK scored his first goal of the season in that blowout. By the way, six to one. I was laughing. I was just thinking about just Steve Mason didn't make it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's oh, he didn't help him. Carter Hart oh, yeah, versus yeah. Steve Mason, where it's like with Carter Hart struggles. Like, yeah, but he's Carter Hart. Yeah, he's. A- and again, I say struggle, and I don't think he's actually struggling. I think he's just not getting any favors from the defense and guys are making sick plays on him. Yeah. And Steve Mason, again, the guy played his ass off some nights, but he did not make it easy to love him. Oh, no, he did not make it easy. He also had terrible fucking body language. He had this pissy quotes when he left. And also like, he just, 
he was pretty bad at like tracking pucks at times. So like there were times that shit. But like yeah, Carter Hart's a lot more lovable, and he's gonna be better, and he's our sweet sweet child. And uh, Steve Mason is a. Uh, I don't know, given probably given some shitty intermission analysis for some college like hockey team out there or something. I could see him Listen, doing that now. The man could handle pucks. That's all I got. If you put Steve Mason's puck handling abilities with the rest of Carter Hart's game, oh, that goalie would be fucking unstoppable. Carter Hart, I love that kid. I don't want to ever see him leave the crease handle puck again. <laughs> no, Until no, like for the can. next day. If that's, you told me that's the right one now, big mistake he, <laughs> yeah. he made this year was that Crosby well, he just, touching the puck. He, don't, he has some fun. That. Yeah, he has some fun back there almost every night. Not tonight. Uh, he had a couple other plays so far this year. But like, if you told me right now, it's like the twenty first. If you told me, oh yeah, twenty first of January uh, in twenty twenty one. By the way, twenty one, twenty one, twenty one. A lot of twenty ones going on. But if you told me in January twenty first, twenty. 31 that Carter Hart hasn't played the puck in 10 years. I think the Flyers have a couple couple cups. That's why that's the stock I'm putting into it. Is if Hart that's doesn't fair. touch the puck, yeah, the Flyers are going to get. Um, and one last thing in favor of Carter Hart over Steve Mason. <laughs> that's just not a. This is weird. Well, no, no. I just have one thing. I have one thing I wanted to say. Right handed robbery has nothing on left handed larceny. Right handed robbery just is, oh. is terrible compared to left handed larceny. Yeah, no, that and is I, true. I hated that substitution. I it's the best you could have done there, JJ, and I, I appreciate that. But left-handed larceny is mwah, chef's kiss. Beautiful phrase. The positive though is uh, we don't have to take the chance of throwing a left-handed goalie in during an NBC game and then hearing Pierre go silly cider at least ten times during a fucking broadcast. Like that's something that everybody oh. says routinely, and like we all didn't just hear that for the first time. By the way, did you know what Shinny was? Yeah. Okay. All right. I yeah. I mean, I a lot of people did. It did. And I will it, say it did sound like it yeah. did sound like Scott Hartnell said shitty on the broadcast at first. Which, if he had <laughs> respect, it's actually but he said shitty. Yeah, that's some real skill. If he starts slipping that in there, I wish he. That does feel like a Hartnell thing to do, though. Is just be like, oh no, that was another curse word, and then just start fl- like slipping them in there. Well, especially <laughs> he just started, so maybe yeah. he didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> It's my first day. Yeah. Also, you can't you can't really fire Scott. I feel like Scott Hartnell could do anything on that show, and they'd be like, "That nah, it's hard to. We all saw that cup in 2010, right? We were all there. <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> he can shotgun a beer on camera. Uh, three zero win over Buffalo. Uh, the Flyers allowed forty shots in that win on Tuesday. They did not. Um, they allowed one. There was one game last year that allowed forty shots on goal one. It was a 4-1 win over the Ducks on December 17th. And again, that was Carter Hart standing on his head mainly. Um, 40.63 Koizu 4 percentage, 38.49 expected goals 4 percentage. 57 shot attempts against at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, it's the mo- They allowed that many shot attempts or more three times last year in 6-9 games. And it's their second sub-40 expected goals 4 percentage of the season. 14 of the 6-9 games last year were that. So again, just early numbers early on just or the numbers early on just don't look good for just the defense and the racing chances against. And it just, it's going to be a lot of uh, the goaltending. So, and again, Elliot, uh, 40 save shutout first this year, fifth with the Flyers, 41st in his career. Didn't have a 40 save performance last year. Uh, he did stop 44 in a 76 loss to the Leafs on March 15th, 2019. Hell was the end of that season. Uh, and also, it's the first 40 save shutout he had of his career. 
Seventh time in franchise history the Flyers have seen 40 shots against and didn't allow a goal. Last time, Steve, would be game six against the Washington Capitals in the 2016 first round where Michael Norvish stopped 44 shots against in a 2-0 win. 44 to 11, that shot count. That is something I'll we talk about on that, that show at least once a week. <laughs> yeah. I watched every second of that game and I still don't believe it happened. Oh, I don't. Because yeah. Michael Neuvert, the glass man, Mr. Glass, <laughs> I I just can't believe it. I, I can't believe it. Uh, Moose was great in this game. I oh, was stunned yeah. when I saw the shot count afterwards. And props to him. First start of the season and he, he absolutely killed it. Yeah. And again, maybe not like. He had a couple big saves, but it was they, they weren't hanging him out to dry. But still, that's a large volume of shots right there. 40 fucking shots on that. 40 shots on that in back-to-back games is not a good sign. No, uh, no. And it's gonna, we're not going to get a, a better way to gauge this on Saturday if Freeman's also going to be out and we're going to be pulling up Zimbola or Prosser or Moran or whoever the hell else is going to go out there. So Saturday's not going to be fun either. Uh, but I, I want to see how they're looking once uh, – Ghost gets back to get, gets uh, back into the mix here. Uh, Ralph Kruger, by the way, I don't know if a lot of people saw this, but Ralph Kruger, the uh, Sabres coach, wanted Provorov suspended after Provorov collided with Carter Hutton. Hutton was out for the rest, uh, or he played a little bit further and then was taken out of the game um, for uh, Jonas uh, Johansson. Uh, but Kruger, and apparently he might be hurt. Kruger once. Uh, Provorov suspended because Hutton got hurt on the play where Montour pushed Provorov into Hutton, and then Provorov collided with Hutton, and that's what he wanted suspension for. So he was trying to say that I think Provorov oh. also threw a punch in there, but uh, yeah, guy, once you once you tell your guy to stop, you know, pushing people around, and then uh, yeah, that's it. That's all. Just uh, shut the fuck up. That's what I'm. I guess I'm saying here for <laughs> Ralph Trigger is uh, kiss my ass. Yeah, yeah, kiss my grits, uh, as some person used to say. I don't know. Uh, kiss my gritties. Oh, that is okay. All right, yeah, I like it. Took me a second to fully appreciate that, but yeah. Uh, do you want to do? You want to talk about forward check and seal ski again? This segue game, by the way, has not been smooth. <laughs> uh, it's totally fine. It has not been a smooth year. Yeah. <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, let's talk about Voracek and seal ski again. We mentioned this briefly on the forecast because we. We just couldn't wait to talk about this. But after the game on Friday night, they were interviewing players. The media was interviewing players, and they were showing the press conferences on TV. And Jakub Voracek, Jake Voracek, did not seem very pleased when Mike Sielski was on the line to ask him a question about the game. <laughs> and holy shit. I mean, this was just the ultimate edition of taking it to the beats Voracek. Oh my God. I put the quote in here. I mean, if you want to go through it again, I would be very glad to, to go through it again. Okay. So Voracek came out to sealskin and said, doesn't matter what I say, Mike, you're going to write fucking shit every time. So it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. It feels different. I mean, we got four points out of these first two games. I wasn't even going to answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. Yeah. So that is, of course, fucking amazing. I can't even fathom <laughs> us doing such a great taking it to the beats as Jake Voracek did here. Taking it to the beats. <laughs> yeah, he really, I mean, again, 
Much like we try to do it's a hockey podcast. No, it's not professional at all. But It's not professional, but I respect it because Sealski... I respect beat writers. And I respect guys who hustle and get those stories out and give us the facts and uh, can write good opinion pieces about the team. And I strongly feel that Mike Sealski is not somebody who does that. He is not a, a reporter who goes out and, and writes factual informed articles about the flyers he writes hit pieces he writes hot take pieces this is the top the top baker of the hot takery right here oh yeah this is a dude who that's all he does that's his bread and butter right there is just making hot take pieces stuff to get people riled up he's the culture change guy about the flyers from a few Uh years back and he's never stopped doing that and there's a there's a few reasons that you could have said that Jake Voracek uh, would lash out at him for this. But really, he, I don't think he needed that much justification because if you just look at his archive on philly.com, any article, really, yeah, you could just I mean, pick one. That's really, you touched on it before. Like, this isn't the first time Sielski's been, like, annoying with the Flyers, or uh, the Flyers have been annoyed by him. That whole culture change thing with Ed Schneider years ago, where he said, we don't need a fresh perspective. And then, Craig Bruby telling him a telling a reporter to get lost. That was Sealski. And um again, like the thing with Sealski's writing for me is there's always some hint of a point or a truth to it. But then he goes about it in the most Weasley way. I don't know. Like it, again, it's not really you're right. He's not actually breaking news. Like I, I don't actually remember the last thing that he broke especially when it comes to the flyers beat um and it's fair to criticize a player jesus christ i mean if i asked robert Hag a question and he had this response to me i would get it but it's mainly just because i'm sticking it with his on ice play and kind of can point out all the flaws of his on ice play and sealski kind of just has been pounding home at the message that drew and voracek just don't care for a while now um and I forget what the one article was after the 2019 offseason, but I remember it being about how, like, Sealski getting post-game quotes for the last game of the regular season. It's Sealski asking Jake and Drew about, like, uh, being in and out of the playoffs every other year. And I remember Warchick having an answer to them being like, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It doesn't really matter what we say. You guys were right, whatever. Like, he said something about, about that back then. I couldn't find that before this, but that... Uh, and then the thing that I think most people came to conclusion on that, like, warranted this response was October of 2019 Sealski wrote an article uh, where it was um, titled Flyers coach Elaine Vigneault sent a message to Claude Drew and Jake Voracek and it was a long time coming so that was the title of the article Mike and you want to talk about having like a bias it's right there when you say it was a long time coming and again I know he writes a lot of opinion pieces and a lot of those you know op-eds just saying like uh i i don't know giving his two cents but his two cents ever since he started writing in the philadelphia area has been these hot takes he is just a guy who's out there to provoke he's not actually out to i don't know spread any new information about the flyers or give a new opinion he's the guy who has complained about the culture change and the same old flyers for years now yeah yeah and and from that, and then when Ed Snyder passed away, it, it turned from that to 
uh, instead to, you know, hit pieces on Drew and Voracek. Yeah. And in that article, so after that title in an article, he put, uh, again, this was actually going back to that Penguins loss. It was after those, uh, Flyers lost real bad to the Honors and Penguins last year. The Honors game was that shitty one on uh, in on Long, Long Island where Ghost looked like shit, Moran looked like shit, Hart got pulled, and then that Penguins game. And then Chilski wrote this back to back lopsided losses to the Islanders. Uh, oh, okay. So he's talking about how the Flyers were in the locker room, changing after a game. Av or practice. Av was in the middle of the locker room. Jake was at his locker stall taking off his skates. Av had his back to Jake, and then. Sealski put in his article, quote, back-to-back lopsided losses to the Islanders and Penguins had compelled the coach to send him, sent his stars a message, and one of them was on hand to hear it. Voracek sat there and laughed. So he was saying that Drew heard it, and Voracek was just laughing while his coach was trying to relay this message home. So that right there is... none of That's not a fact. Like, that is a very... That's a very subjective anecdote to throw in there. The only point he's what does that last sentence do? The only reason why that's there is to make Voracek look like shit. And also, apparently, oh, yeah. uh, apparently, uh, like, I, I don't think it happened. Like, I, I thought we were seeing, like, other people talk about how, like, uh, they couldn't confirm that that had happened there. And, like, so, talking about something that may have not even happened. Or if it did, obviously, other people didn't feel the same way about it because only Sealski wrote about it. Um, but this is... Like that right there should be enough, would be enough to piss off anybody. And apparently, that was the first time that they had interacted since that article was written because that was late October. Sealski really isn't on the flyer speed. He he pops around every once in a while to kind of like push buttons, but he's not actually on the beat. So apparently, that was the first time they had interactually inter- had actually interacted since this article was written. And there, there's a couple guys that that do this too, where they float around and they'll. They'll write like a big hot take. Mark, Marcus Hayes. Marcus, Marcus Hayes. Who's the other? Who's the guy that does the Phillies? Kevin uh, Cooney. I think I remember him pissing off Hartnell a couple years ago. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, I don't think he's on the Philly. I don't. I'm not that's sure, his name though, right? That well, that's one guy. I mean, I know I, I've seen like David Murphy jump in there. I've seen uh, who's the other guy that uh, jumps in? Uh, Sam Donnellan jumps in a lot. Sam Donnellan, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like. The thing with Sealski, it's just not like I I think of him like when the Eagle the year after the Eagles won the Super Bowl and they were really struggling, and they had I think it was like the fourth or fifth loss that season, when everybody was just on edge and wanted to kill one another, and Sealski dropped an article that was like, We should have all seen this coming or like something that just was really irritating. And it's like you could have written this in the summer and gotten a lot of flack and it would have been right but you decided to do this just to kind of like irritate everybody. I don't know. Like, it seems very much like his job is to just be a troll. Like he is paid by the Philadelphia Inquirer to create, you know, clickbait. That's pretty much what it is. Um, Or at least the stuff that I've seen, I can't speak to his other, but every single time he's popped up, like, you know, this was an incident where if I didn't know who Silski was before this incident, and I wanted to look up the issue between Silski and Voracek, uh, well, one player, like one side is, to me, seems to be pretty clearly in the right in terms of like the reaction there. Like, I, I don't know. The Voracek response may have been unprofessional. It was unprofessional, but I wouldn't call it unwarranted. Yeah, like he's been, he, CLC has been asking for this type of response for a while, I think. Like he just, yeah. I don't know. Like he, you can't be that troll guy. I didn't guy. see anybody 
yeah. defending him either. The, like, I think that was very telling. Is there yeah. was nobody out there going like, oh, this, I can't And then JJ made fun of it on the broadcast tonight. Did you hear that? <laughs> oh, I missed that. No, That's amazing. Like, no, but he was like, uh, he was talking about Jake and then, and sometimes he's known for having quite the uh, post game comments. So like that was it, <laughs> or like for, for being like entertaining the press game post or uh, Zoom call or whatever. Yeah. So like even he mentioned it. So yeah, that's and, and then Farabee retweeted it. <laughs> yeah, I saw. Yeah, apparently retweeted, and then like Cartier to come out and said Cartier tweeted a quote: "The league has had a discussion with Jake Voracek for his expletive filled." Tr- uh, tirade during a virtual news conference after Friday's game per Bill Daly, the NHL's deputy commissioner, who wanted to comment, comment on whether a fine was assessed. This is just Cartier to go on the bat for a seal scale, I think. Also, expletive filled tirade. He said one curse word against a B report that's been trying to get him run out of time for a couple of years. I don't think that's expletive filled tirade. Uh, I mean, there were a couple expletives, but yeah, whatever. Oh, wait, wait, what was uh, I, I, the fuck was there? What's the other one I'm missing here? F- I mean, Fucking shit is two expletives. Oh, fucking shit. Oh, okay, yeah. Multiple. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right, you can defend Siski if you want. That's fine. Uh, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not a weasel lover, okay? <laughs> I don't think any of us are. I gotta say, that use of weasel was, uh, it was, it was pretty nice. It, by it the way, you good... don't see weasel very often, yeah. and I, I think it was uh, an appropriate use there. No, it was... It was not fans. Wonderful. We're not fans, folks. Yeah, okay, and, you know, I... If people are good writers and they actually present the news without any kind of weird subjective like kind of hit like tinge on it i'm fine with that if a writer can actually write and provide facts and information sure but i'm sure he does it other times but uh not there's a purpose behind his writing and it is to piss you off but i guess it's fine but you know just use facts or evidence i don't know whatever um he also carved up Voracek in that article uh, talking about his defensive uh, play, like saying that, you know, he's creative in the offensive zone, but pretty much just uh, takes it easy in the defensive zone, which is kind of crazy for a player that gets paid $8.25 million a year or something. So, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, he was swinging for Voracek. And there, I mean, Voracek's a pretty easy guy to swing at in recent years for the Flyers. Uh, and even I last year were saying that, uh, you know, his numbers didn't look great to start the year. And if he didn't really turn it around, you know, this could be a start of the decline, but he's looked fine this year. I think he's looked good this year. I don't know if he's motivated by the weasel, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it pans out down the road. The weasel. Talking about a uh, Voracek and Sealski. So uh, before we get to the BU, Steve, I'm going to run through some minor moves this week. Uh, just a fan of signed four players to AHL deals. That's not, you're probably not going to see any of these names at all or, they're not going to factor into the future, but uh, Zane McIntyre, who we had mentioned a little bit last couple of weeks, a 2010 sixth rounder goalie, played eight games for Boston 16 17, uh, and also played in the AHL last year for Utica. Binghamton has a had a 796 save percentage in six games over in the KHL. Amy McAdam, uh, 2013 third rounder, also a goalie, and he's uh, from here. Uh, no NHL games and an 896 save percentage in six AHL seasons. 893 save percentage and two shutouts in 40 ECHL games last year. 893 save percentage, two shutouts. I All right. Uh, and then Tanner, okay. yeah, sure. That's a hell that's of a, a... You show up some nights. Other nights, you just really don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, the first goal off special. Yeah. It's once that first goal goes in, I uh, mean, man, the rest of the night, he's taking off. But until that shutout. Uh, Tanner McMaster, 25-year-old center, had 30 points in 56 games for the Marlies last year. 
And then Ryan Fitzgerald, uh, a 2013 fourth rounder, uh, 26-year-old forward, 27 points in 61 games last year for the Providence Bruins. Um, and then Steve? I believe we are uh, finally at this moment. Uh, we're, uh, it's what we look forward to every week. All everybody, it's you know, it's the, who cares about hockey? We are all here <laughs> for the batch update. The batch update. To start off, we finished the rose ceremony from last week, the one where Sarah passed out. Sarah's okay. Okay. Uh, Matt, who come, come to think of it, looks more sure. like <laughs> Matt. Who come to think of it, looks more like Clippy the paperclip from Microsoft Word, more than a handsome Squidward. Brought her a cool drink of water. She drinks said glass of water, and Matt proceeds to send some contestants home. I heard you had trouble looking for a wife. <laughs> <laughs> There's big stupid eyes on a staple than blinking. Yeah, I, that's exactly what Clippy would say. When did they stop running with Clippy? Was it like I hope it was just like a, a couple years ago, like twenty? 20- uh, no, in Microsoft, it's probably still in their hidden. Yes, yeah, somewhere. Like, he's just all proper now, and he's got, like, a suit and tie. He just only helps with, like, occasional things. That's about it. But. Well, they combine Clippy with Ask Jeeves to make one... To, for one, perfect unemployed, <laughs> useless technology now. <laughs> Poor Ask Jeeves. He just, he didn't stand a chance. Um, let's get back to the match, though. Uh, on the first group day, <laughs> the ladies are tasked with writing a love scene starring Matt Jones. No, thank you. Uh, they have read the scene out loud for a live studio. Matt audience. Jones is The Bachelor, right? I, yes, I, I would hope so. It okay. would be pretty funny if they were doing this. For, uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Is he an actor? Matt I don't Jones, know. I don't, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I don't know. It was a crazy it's a very name generic name. they like Matt Jones. Like, I don't know, Matt Godzilla, Matt Reptar. Give us a funny last name. Pretty much any... Fictional dinosaur is all I was going for there. Uh, Rachel manages, going back, Rachel manages to squeeze in the phrase, my groin fluttered, and Victoria's whole scene was bleeped out by ABC. Sarah, who passed out in the rose ceremony and also looks and talks like Alexis Rose from Schitt's Creek, is in the live studio audience, and I can't can't handle it. Uh, You can handle it. She can't handle it. Yeah. That sounds like a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Also... Alexis Rose. Oh, okay, that was okay. Yeah, I haven't seen. Did you watch Shit's Creek? Talk about Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. I some of it. Yeah, I watched it a while ago. It's, it's not bad. I like it. Uh, let's see. Where are we here? Next is a one-on-one date. Oh wait, no, we didn't finish that. The rest of that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So she interrupts the group date, and shortly after, gets roasted by the drunk queen Victoria. Katie, the contestant who brought the vibrator. Oh yeah. I'm, okay, I remember that. Uh, offer some consoling words and some good vibes for Sarah. Uh, Katie seems like an understanding person. So I, I think I've botched the uh, the vibrator joke there. But uh, Next is a one-on-one date with Serena P. But before things get started, Sarah's upset and asks to see Matt before he goes on the one-on-one date. He obliges. It's important to note that most contestants don't ask for this much time for The Bachelor. Anyway, we get to the one-on-one where Serena explains charcuterie to Matt in one of Pittsburgh's luscious valleys. <laughs> there you go, Steve. Which uh, a pack of donkeys came out. Just overflowing with coleslaw. <laughs> Just nothing but coal and yellow steel. Uh, a pack of donkeys coming out of nowhere, as is tradition, and eat their assortment of meats and cheeses. Shortly, <laughs> I told. When's the last time okay, a donkey wait. ate your lunch meat, Steve? That sounds. <laughs> way yeah that's not why are there donkeys <laughs> just roaming around in pittsburgh 
Did Sidney well, Crosby Zoo like break open or something? Because I'm assuming is... Sidney Crosby owns a zoo. I don't know and if it's you got know multiple this. Donkeys. Yeah. I, well, I was going to ask you. I don't know if you know this offhand. What is the donkey capital of America? Can we? It's got to be Pittsburgh, PA. I'm going to Google donkey. I would assume the donkey. I usually associate. I typically associate donkeys with westerns, right? So I would mm. think maybe New Mexico or Texas. Oh, or something. okay. Yeah, okay. However, it, it apparently is Pittsburgh, PA. So uh, Pittsburgh, we can add coleslaw and donkeys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's going to be uh yeah. So I just don't even, I was not expecting donkeys either. And they came and they ate all the delicious meat and cheese. Uh, according to Google, uh, Burlandia, Mexico is the donkey capital of the world. So that's maybe, maybe that's a long trek though from Mexico to Pittsburgh. That's a hell of a hike. There may have been donkeys that were just closer. I don't know. I mean, what I've heard is if you've got cured meats, donkeys will go to any <laughs> length to get those cured meats. That is, that's a crazy, but uh, accurate donkeys there. and Tony Soprano <laughs> are going to go to any lengths to get your cold cuts. Come! We're the cold cuts! I need them before the donkeys get to them! He's doing that grumbling and moaning while he's opening the fridge. Mm-hmm. Just do that shit. <laughs> Come! Come. <laughs> I got you know I got. I'm rewatching The Sopranos right now. I was gonna say every time Tony goes to the fridge and gets cold cuts, I laugh every time. <laughs> it's just yeah. I the one thing that always stuck out with me the first time through was just just him singing Steely Dan's Dirty Work. I don't know why that cracked me up so much, but just some fucking oh, mops are just yeah, just popping along. That's all. Um, uh, let's see here. Next, okay, here now we're at this one. Next is a one-on-one date with Serena P. But before things get started, uh, I know this is the, okay. Matt brings up that he had a turtle growing up. Oh, I had You're a turtle. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I don't, I don't know. Shortly after Matt brings up that he had a turtle growing up, I also had a turtle. I think I forget the name. Serena capitalizes. I had a turtle. The, what was his name? I had two turtles. Uh, the oh, first one was okay. Michelangelo, and the second one was off. Leonardo. Oh, well, there you go. That makes sense. Leonardo was bad, though. He was a box turtle. He kept escaping from the yard, so no bueno. I think... I I know we had... I forget what his name was, though. Oh, damn it. Uh, that's pretty... Uh, I mean, going with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, though, that's always a classic choice. That was very... Uh, yeah. Uh, Serena Cavalizer... It was the style. Of <laughs> I guess it was, yeah. Uh, Serena capitalizes on the moment and calls Matt a dork for having a turtle. Get dunked on, Cliffy. Oh, man. Oh, shit. I should have finished that... Uh, well, get dunked on see for having two turtles, I guess. That makes you a bigger dork than me, I guess. Uh, I'm a but, giant dork, and I yeah, that's fully I, acknowledge it. I, there's nothing wrong with owning turtles. I'd own a turtle. That's I, I'd take a turtle before a donkey. I feel like a turtle would be easier to, you know, kind of manage than a donkey. Easier uh, to, yes, donkeys seem easier impossible pet management. Manage. Yeah, I don't think you could keep Unless a, you're riding them about Mexico <laughs> in, in, in Pittsburgh, the 1800s. Eating, <laughs> eating random cheese and... Lunch meat patties, yeah, that's uh, uh, we all know, we all know those scenes in the good, the bad, and the ugly where <laughs> the donkeys have to get fed cured meats. <laughs> the, the donkeys are galloping past Heinz Stadium, Heinz Field, and uh, they that's where they're at. Later, yeah. on, la- last blurb later on, Sarah goes to Matt Sweet and tells him she is going to leave because she needs to go home. He seems sad and tries to convince her to stay, but she insists on leaving. Get dumped, Clippy. Apparently, Clippy is Clippy an asshole. Why does he keep? Why does he keep going after this guy? Well, he's a bachelor. I mean, they all seem kind of like dumbasses <laughs> on the show and IRL. So, uh, but that's uh, maybe she's just not impressed by his childhood turtle. <laughs> <laughs> 
we were really connecting and then he started talking about his childhood turtles uh no thank you <laughs> that was just the whole date like once she once she found out from the other girl that he's a dork you know serena or sarah sarah yeah that's it that's the s name i'm looking for yeah there's a couple sarah don't play with no dork sarah don't play with no dork that's the title of the app you can put that in there right now uh we gotta run the league steve and then i'm not talking to you again for a couple days so uh, you want me to fire that up let's fire it up buddy all right ian cole has been traded from the colorado avalanche to the minnesota wild for greg patteron uh speaking of other shitty defensemen adam mcquade has retired uh d-man had 73 points in 694 penalty minutes in 512 games over 10 years with the bruins rangers and blue jackets also won the cup in 2011 with the bruins Coy Schneider signed his uh, one-year 700K deal with the Islanders. He was in camp with the Islanders, and people had assumed he had signed earlier, but he had just signed now, so that was me. Well, actually, everybody. Uh, ben Hutton signs his one-year deal. So does this mean he's not going to haunt my TV again this year? Oh, no, it might. I mean, he might be with the Islanders. Oh, yeah, he might no. be. Yeah. No, I mean, I, as long as I don't have to see his face in the NBC studios again. Oh, yes, that you won't see. But oh, he might be. God. For, you might be again. playing for Lou Lamorella's team and in your nightmares that way. Yeah. Well, that, that's fine. Yeah, He's it's... just terrifying in studio. <laughs> he really... I, I never... Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it must be terrifying to see a redhead without a mask on, Steve. I guess that's... Yeah. Anyway, yes, put your uh, mask on. <laughs> 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 All right, fine. I'm in a goalie mask. But also wear your mask, yeah. Uh, ben Hutton signs a one-year deal, 950K with the Ducks. So he was also in camp with the Ducks. Uh, Calgary signed both Michael Stone and Brett Ritchie, who were in camp with them uh, before the season. Uh, and then Tuesday, the Carolina-Nashville game was postponed due to multiple COVID tests. Uh, and on that issue, the Caps were fined $100,000. And the group of Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Dmitry Orlov, hey, speaking of Orlov, uh, and Ilya Samsonov were all missed the Caps' next four games for breaking COVID protocol. Well, I guess we can remove Orloff from that list that we read. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, yeah. Uh, also worth noting, the Flyers, of course, don't play the Caps uh, within the Caps' next four games. And I wanted to work in uh, Brian Sykes, friend of the show, uh, at CornKid1311, which, yeah, definitely a friend of the show with that. Yeah. Uh, says this made, uh, he had a tweet with us, uh, Tweeted us about Chara last week since we were talking about Zidane Chara. Uh, he said, this made me sad. How with all the Chara chicken talk, uh, you both missed a chance for a he's no spring chicken. Steve, I'm going to mainly put that on you. Because you've been, uh, as we've seen with Cash and Money Millionaires, kind of been on fire with the pun game recently. Listen, as the pun master general, I do take, <laughs> I, I do take full responsibility for missing that opportunity. I, I got to do a better job. Yeah, that's right. You... I will. But it's uh, it's a good one. Good one to point out there, Brian. Andy Reid, now three head coaches removed from being the Eagles head coach. It's a little weird. Should have kept. Actually, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I don't know. We're not going to get into that. But, uh, it was his time. To go, <laughs> it was guess. definitely his time. Yeah. NHL. Listen to Eag Purpley, and we'll talk about it on that. <laughs> uh, NHL and uh, Big Hockey have pulled all the microchip tracking out of the pucks uh, just six, six days into the season. So uh, Big Hockey doesn't want you to find out what's really going on in the ice out there. Uh, waivers, that's my stance, by the way, is we were going to get all this information about how much the puck was actually going to be in all the zones, how much the players had the pucks on the stick, how much they were matched up against, all this stuff. But yeah, we're going back to a uh, eye test first uh, advanced stats. So I digress. Waivers. Anton Forsberg placed on waivers by the Hurricanes, claimed by the Jets. Aaron Dell placed on waivers by the Leafs, claimed by the Devils. 
Troy Grozenek, uh placed by the Kings, claimed by the Oilers. All goalies uh, moving around the league. Marcus Patterson of the Penguins is week to week with a terrible case of UBI. Uh, Toronto forward. That was a tough hit. Oh yeah, no, it was not a it was not a good hit. He got hit by Oshi, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of got wrecked not, by Oshi. Yeah, and they're dead. speaking of uh, defense is not looking great. Uh, Patterson. Out for a while is not great. Also, Matheson, I believe, is out for a bit of time. And Cody Cece is still Cody Cece. So, Penguins defense not looking great <laughs> out there either. Um, but, yeah, that might be. yeah. Uh, Toronto forward Nick Robertson will miss about four weeks with a knee injury. And the IIHF has pulled the World Championship out from being played in Belarus, citing safety concerns and also pressure to pull out due to Political concerns as well. And Stephen, that is around the league. Uh, and yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh. All right, folks, that's all we got for you. And there was plenty as usual. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Craig at Sports Are Bad. Yeah, so you already listened to this. Uh, I'm going to be filling in for Bill Saturday. And next Sunday, so not the next two Saturdays, but the Saturday, this Saturday, and then the Sunday following next Saturday. Uh, and then Flyers forecast on Tuesday. What's that? What are you laughing at? I'm just, you know, it was me describing, to put it. just me describing days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so picture next Monday and then go to next Wednesday and then take a couple days back. Yeah. No, but that's, uh, I got two of the next games coming up. Uh, Flyers forecast next week. Hyperbole next week, and then I will try and do. I don't even know what I'm going to try and do for next week, but I got to look at some of the numbers here and I'll get something out maybe on top of that. But uh, yeah, I got some post games, some more podcasts coming up pretty much. So you'll be hearing a lot of me. I don't know how about, I don't know about uh, how much you'll be writing. Oh, prospect report on Monday too. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right. You get it all in? Yeah, I think I got it all. So by this time next week, you should hear two more recordings and another article by me. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it's not Plenty right. of Craig the doorknob for coming up for you. <laughs> All the Craig content you didn't ask for, but you're getting it anyways. And you're going <laughs> to regret it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to hate the way you listen. I guarantee it. Don't men's warehouse this. Forecast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. can be Craig is it sports or bad. I am Estebaum or Flyperbole on Twitter. For your hockey needs, make it Flyperbole. Follow PSH Radio. Follow Broad Street Hockey. Forecast should be out early next week, either on Monday or Tuesday. I'm thinking Tuesday right now, but we shall see. And flight will probably be Thursday or Friday again. You know, yeah. beginning of the weekend of the week. That's a tried and true formula. Yeah. Been working. The old rope dope One-two punch. Okay. <laughs> old boxing analysis. Get out of here. <laughs> That's that's what I'm going for. That's what, that's my next career is old timey <laughs> boxing announcer. Ugh. Oh, it's late. It is late. It is it late, is late folks. Recording. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Please stay safe out there. Continue to mask up, wash those hands, all that good stuff. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, 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 wow. 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 Fly over me, flip, flip, fly over me. 
Hello everybody, this is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell and Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.